It's time for the Raging Cajun Army. The only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. Kick is on its way, and the kick is good! Cajuns win! 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 A 50-yard field goal! And time expires by Brent Bear in Louisiana! And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Welcome into another episode of the Raging Cajun Army, and it's a special one. For the first time ever, we are bringing you Louisiana football pregame. This is Matt Miguez, and with me is ESPN 1420 color analyst Chris Lano. Chris, first of all, good morning. Good morning to you. And so, looking at, on on paper, kind of the, the tail of the tape, if you will, what what's standing out about not only Louisiana, but Liberty as a as as a as a program, well, the one thing that you got to keep in mind about Liberty—they uh, just joined the FBS a few years back. But in this short stint of being in the FBS, they're three and zero against some Belt Conference foes. So that's one thing to look out for. They've been—they have really stepped up to the challenge against the likes of Troy and, and a couple others um, in, in defeating those um, th- th- those teams within the Sunbelt Conference. So they're looking to continue that trend going 4-0 against Louisiana. But, um, you know, I think overall it's a good matchup. I think we're going to have a better gauge of exactly where UL is in terms of just a team from top to bottom, defensively, offensively. So a lot of experience along that Liberty offensive side too as well with, with Stephen Calvert at quarterback starting 31 straight games going in for his 32nd straight game against Louisiana. So... A big challenge up front for the defensive front, and um, you know definitely got to deliver the first blow because if you allow this Liberty team to punch you first, you, know, you could be climbing from that point forward, just trying to get back in, on track. So, will definitely be a challenge on both sides of the ball. Now, you mentioned Stephen Calvert. I was looking at his 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 stats from last season, and he threw for three thousand yards last year. And you know, in, in the college game, that's kind of kind of difficult to do. So and he's not very mobile. He's kind of he's kind of a pocket passer. What makes him dangerous to the Cajuns defense? Well, one is experience. He this is his fourth year starting. Uh, he took over the quarterback position in his true freshman season, midway through, and uh, thir- so thirty one straight games since that point. He's number four right now among active FBS quarterbacks in both passing yards and passing touchdowns. 
And going into this contest against Louisiana is a little bit of motivation for him. If he gets, if if he um, completes one more or, or, or goes throughout the, the, the game with uh, at least 300 yards passing, he will become the all-time leader in terms of number of 300-yard passing games for Liberty football. So that's something that you know he's definitely keeping an eye on as well to catapult him in that rankings for all time uh for for, for you know within that uh realm of liberty quarterbacks and uh you know also just um you know just just like i like i mentioned he, he he's more like what you mentioned i'll reiterate he, he likes to sit in the pocket he doesn't really go out and scramble very much so um i, I think that's good in terms of just for this cajun defense that we've seen over the years past we struggled against running quarterbacks but I think speed can ultimately uh, get him rattled, as it has shown against Syracuse last week. They had two very fast ends that Syracuse came out with against a offensive line. That's, I wouldn't say they're a little bit suspect, but they're not as athletic as we will face for the rest of this season. So I think that's going to be one of the big keys of the game. And talking about Liberty, obviously a big headline across college football and, and sports in general, really, the last couple of days has been the story of Hugh Freeze and um, the injury that, that he has and the, the medical procedures he's gone through over the last couple of months. Now, last I read is that he's meeting with his doctors this morning to determine if he can travel to Lafayette. And if he can, he will be put on a private plane and he will be here about an hour before kickoff. Now, if for some reason he can't travel to Lafayette, how does that impact Liberty as a program and how does that impact their game plan? I don't think it really impacts them much at all. Um, I think the game plan is in, in terms of uh, when you go through the weekly process, you know, at, at this point in the game, just it's, it's almost just, uh, it's repetitive, almost, uh, it's set in stone in terms of just your X's and O's, your tendencies, your personnel. And that's that's credit to a good overall coaching staff that one he's he's put together. So I don't think it really impacts Liberty much whether he's there or not within the press box because I've always looked at it in this way. If a coach is not on the sidelines, to me it's that presence, that, that, that eye-to-eye contact that really – kind of gets you from a player's perspective that can just to, to really soak in that coaching moment not so much about what's calls are being made because to me all the calls are going to be the same they all have the same mindset down the coaching staff it's why he brought him in he you know he has a lot of faith in the, the coaches uh in terms of what he wants to do um uh, and applying that to his assistant coaches and just and and um and relaying it all to his players, but you know, I I, I just wish him good health. I I don't think um, <laughs> you mean personally. If if you want my opinion, I think a, a lot of this is just a big charade. I I think he just really needs to focus on his health and just stay home. Uh, you know, you, they, you, I wish they'd have that next man that mantra and just allow his coaches just have faith in them, believe in them, just allow them to do their jobs. That's why he's paying them. But uh, you know, but if he does make the trip, hopefully it, it, it's a smooth transition. But overall, I don't think it'll affect the team much on the field, whether he does or not or doesn't. 
talking with Chris Lano and Chris, let's go back to to Stephen Colbert for a second, and, and I'm looking at their their statistical leaders and their leading receiver, Antonio Gandy Golden. You know what? How does their chemistry really kind of jumpstart the the Flames' offense? Yeah, he's their Z receiver. He he's the one that would be lined up outside for the most part. Uh, and uh, number four all the time on the Liberty receiving yards list. So just a lot of quality starts uh, behind him, a lot of experience, and he has been Stephen Colbert's number one target for the past three previous seasons, uh, rightfully so. He's a big physical receiver. I want to say he's about 6'2", a stout 220 pounds. So a guy like Eric Garrar, who might be lined up across from him for the most part, who I think is, is our best one-on-one cover guy, uh, you know, I think physically, you know, he, he will be overmatched. But, you know, it, it's going to be important to see if Coach Roberts puts a safety over the top or uh, give him a little bit of help on whoever's guarding a guy like Antonio Gandy-Golden because whenever – Whenever Stephen Colbert's in that pocket, you know he's looking his direction for the majority of the time, and a lot of this offense, their success is predicated on a guy like Gandy Golden just getting the ball, getting many, getting double-digit touches every game. So that that's going to be a big key to the game, and and not to get ahead of myself, but I think it can also lead to a possible X factor on our, on the defensive side of the ball and whoever is guarding him. And you know, talking about injuries and you know what not obviously big news for Louisiana this week was the announcement of Ken Marks and Johnny Lumpkin being out for the season with 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 respectable injuries how does that impact Louisiana I mean I know that they kind of have the like you said the next man up mantra and there's clearly some depth there in the in the lineup obviously it's youthful depth but there is depth Talk about how that those injuries can kind of impact the team going forward. Well, you talk about one of the biggest strengths going into this year, why so many were optimistic, and that was just the overall dominance of line play for Louisiana. Just You had five starters up front that played together for two-plus seasons almost every single snap, and that was a big asset to the team last year where we were one of the very few within the country of all of FBS that had started all five linemen for every single game, and it was like that for a couple of years running. So you go into the spring, Cole Pruden goes down. So not only you know I think we have a a, a solid quality backup and Shane Valet Shane Valet to take over, but it eats up a little bit of your depth. Now all of a sudden you have Ken Marks at the left guard position, who I think is our third best offensive lineman going in, and he's down. And now we're all of a sudden looking. You know, into our youthful depth of you have mentioned so uh, eloquently uh, at our true freshman in Osiris Torrance who played, and when I say true freshman, played high school ball a year ago. I mean, you look at him, you think he's been in the program for a couple of years at 6'5", 342. I mean, he's a good-looking specimen, but he does lack experience, and um, I, and I think his lack of experience showed, it was highlighted a little bit, last week against Mississippi State when he had to finish the game once Ken Marks goes down. But now he's had a week to, I guess, allow everything to digest and just kind of, um, you know, 
knock out the cobwebs a little bit and, and just have a better mindset knowing that he is going to get a lot more playing time this week. So I look at Max Mitchell to start at left tackle, Osiris Torrance to start at left guard, and you're going you're gonna to have Rico Robinson backing up Max Mitchell as well as Max Mitchell backing up Osiris Torrance. So, in other words, the left tackle, the starting left tackle, Max Mitchell, will, will, you know, not to sound redundant, will start left tackle. But if something were to happen to Osiris Torrance, I, I can see Rob Sale moving Max Mitchell to left guard and having Rico be inserted into that left tackle position. So it's kind of like a little revolving door that's, that's going to work that way. With Spencer Gardner, who we saw a lot last year along that left side, backing up Shane Vallett. So there is quality depth there, and also another name to look out for, Jax Harrington, another true freshman. Just youthful depth you mentioned. So we're looking at two true freshmen that, hey, I mean, those are going to be our security blankets for the rest of this season. And that's that's a credit to how good our recruiting class was in the spring, but you don't want to see that happen come season only several months later. But that's just our case right now. And I, I think with the experience and with the just overall just savviness, like experience savviness of, of, of guys like like a Rico Robinson or a Kevin Dodson and a Robert Hunt, I think that all, I think it helps trickle down a little bit towards the rest of the line and kind of come together in a cohesiveness way. So I think that helps, and um, so I, I think overall they're going to be fine. But I think it's going to take a few games for a guy like Osiris Thomas. He's going to have issues today. I mean, I predict that he's going to have to overcome some uh, some negative plays. They're going to, they're going to really uh, eye on him. Liberty's defense that is on just running some stunts uh, and some weird stuff along his side to kind of get him get his mind going because of that lack of experience. But hopefully he can get settled in, and the rest of the offensive line can just uh, can just grab him by by the wings and just kind of take him along with them and just kind of get him settled in. And uh, hopefully overall it doesn't ultimately hurt us for 60 minutes. But it's going to take him a little while. But he's going to be a great player for us in the years to come. Yeah, and you know, Chris, we'll um, we'll take a quick break right here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how Percy Butler has made such an impact to the Cajuns' defense. We'll talk about both offensive and defensive lines for both teams, and then we'll, we'll get into X-Factors. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk all that here on Louisiana Football Pregame. The Raging Cajun Army podcast is brought to you each and every week by Nick Selfo State Farm, conveniently located across from the Petroleum Club at 200 Hyman Boulevard here in Lafayette. Call Nick and his staff for all your insurance needs, whether it be home, auto, life, or health. 337-981-6638. Here on Louisiana Football Pregame, Matt Miguez and Chris Lano. And Chris, you know, I'll, we'll use your defensive expertise and, and dive into um, talking about the Cajuns' defense, and then we'll transition into Liberty's defense. But talking about the Cajuns' defense, I want to start with Percy Butler. You know, he had nine tackles against Mississippi State last week. Um, last week it was tied for six, sixth most in the Sunbelt Conference. And it was the most tackles recorded by a DB against a Power 5 opponent since Corey Turner. Had 13 against Ole Miss in 2017. 
How has Butler really come along through camp and into that first game? And down the stretch, how is he going to impact the Cajun secondary? Well, it's interesting he gets the player of the game, and that was my big question mark, which was who was going to start alongside of Deuce Wallace in that safety position with Deuce being the weak side, but who was going to ultimately become the free safety, and that wound up being Percy Butler. Now, credit to him. You know, he played a great game. He made a lot of great plays on the back end, but it's never a good thing ultimately for your defense when your safety is leading the team in tackles. You never want to see that happen. So you rather those guys almost be stat-free for a full game and that you know something good happened uh, in totality of your defense. But but credit to him. He played well. He stepped up big. The sophomore, six foot, 190 pounds. Um, and uh, hopefully the guys up front in that front seven for the Cajun defense can just do a better job of just fitting, getting in place, and not being out of position where it doesn't ultimately get to that second level where a guy like a Percy Butler or a Deuce Wallace has to clean it up. But overall, great player, great kid, and it was really happy for him last week, and hopefully he can continue to stand out. And, you know, you mentioned Deuce Wallace. He's kind of become a leader in the, in the locker room over the last, you know, two years for the Cajuns. How does his leadership not only transition onto the field but off the field as well for, you know, what is a, a pretty experienced defense? Well, I think you look at the bloodlines and uh, his dad, Donnie Wallace, who played quarterback for the Cajuns years ago, and um, just you hear him speak, in uh, which I think Raging Cajuns, the official Twitter page, once held like a little personal interview of him along with Deuce, and it's almost they're a lot like the same guy. And you can just sense when you hear a guy like Donnie Wallace speak, he just lights up the room and everyone's paying attention. He, he has that ability to grasp everybody's attention. And I think that's what it was like when he played, you know, those leadership uh, qualities, those intangibles. And that has trickled down to a guy like uh, Deuce Wallace, his son. I think he carries those same traits and credit to him. And uh, so Deuce really leads by example. He doesn't just talk. He's a guy that, that, that I have uh, I, I had I had question marks about him about his play last year a little bit, just his ability to cover on the back end because he, he's not he doesn't possess the speed you like in a free safety or, or in a weak side safety that you would like, but he is just a wrecking ball of somebody within the box that you can really that you need help with in, in stopping the run. And he has great intangibles, and he just—he really has good instincts. Speed was his only question mark, but he's everything you want other than that in a safety. And uh, so I, I think it feeds off the rest of the defense of just his leadership ability. And um, you know, a guy like Deuce is just somebody you uh, you always you, you like to have when your defensive side of the ball it makes your job uh, a lot easier in terms of Ron Roberts. You know, one, one more thing on the on the Cajuns defense before we transition into Liberty. Which defensive group are you most confident in? And which group concerns you the most going into tonight's contest? I think our I think well, I, I have to be honest, I think our safeties uh concern me a little bit against this Liberty offense because I, when I, when you watch this these receivers, they really do a good job or I guess it's just offensive design. 
they play in levels where they have a flat, they have an intermediate, and they have a deep level. And it's like that every single play. So you're going to have to cover the entire field when going against this receiving core. And we go back to Antonio Gandy-Golden. I mean, they, Syracuse, for the most part, decided to double-team him early in the game, and he was still able to find his space. So I, I think against a team like this, you can play man. And I say you can play man because... Stephen Carver is a guy that doesn't like to scramble and run. So your backs can be turned against them. You don't necessarily have to play a lot of zone. but So I, I think on the back end with the safety position, I think that's going to be a big test of, of being able to carry those deep post routes and those deep corner routes. But you got to be very disciplined on the back end because I think our front seven is going to have a great, a great game. I, I think we have the speed. And we have the overall physical proudness, I, I, this, I guess, the lack of a better word, just uh, to go against a non-athletic offensive front in Liberty that, that I've seen in, uh, in, from last week against Syracuse. So I think guys like Chris Moncrief, Chauncey Manack, and Joe Dillon are going to have their way and are going to have big plays. I just think the back end could be a big question mark. And, you know, uh, let's talk about Liberty's defense now, and I know that you've had the opportunity to, to watch some film on on Liberty. What, what do you see out of their, out of their defense what, um, and, and what looks positive for the Cajuns offensively? Their nose guard's their best player, in my opinion. I, I know others will say otherwise. Uh, I, I think he does a great job at getting a push on that center position. I think both their ends are a little bit undersized, but they have good feet. They run a 4-3, um, um, traditional 4-3. I'm very familiar with this defense. is what I ran in high school with the Mike Will and Rover linebacker. So you're going to always have two defensive ends in a three-point stance. It's three-point stance with the, with the D-tackle and the nose guard with two safeties and two corners. So they like to play a lot of zone. Um, and um, I, I think against this kind of defense, I think it kind of opens up the ability to maybe throw the ball a lot down the field. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, they, like I said, they're a little bit undersized on that defensive front. And Syracuse, um, offensively, I, I, they just they just made mistakes against this defense. It just boneheaded errors where it, it really halted their drive. So hopefully the Cages, they've learned from their mistakes in ball security and are able to capitalize and finish off a lot of good drives. And now you, you said that the the defensive line for Liberty is undersized. Does that mean that the the linebackers are going to have to kind of step up into that into that D line a little bit and kind of stack the box a little more, especially against such a strong running attack from the Cajuns? Well, I I, I think uh, you you look at this linebacker core. I think they're they have good experience. Uh, I I like both the Mike and the Will linebacker, and um, you know they do a good job of fitting uh, up up in that first level. But, you know, against a very, I guess, big, I mean, this, this Cajun offensive line is a big offensive line. It's one of the bigger old lines that I can remember in years to come, especially when you insert a guy like Osiris Torrance in there. All of a sudden, that average across the board just really bumps up. So I, I think it's going to be a ground-and-pound type attack from the offense, for the Cajun offense. And the both the Mike and Will linebacker are gonna have to do a good job of just being patient and just filling in the gaps that this defense for Liberty can hold for them. They're gonna have to do a good job of just holding 
the offensive line from getting to that second level, and that's going to be a big challenge because I, I think Rob Sale teaches these guys very well, and plus the overall experience of a line like like UL, um, they just work they work very well together, and um, you know it, it's all going to rely upon um, game plan from Billy Napier and how he mixes up both the run and the pass if he decides to stay balanced or in that heat index he just wants to run them off course which that could be the game plan. We'll see. But um, I expect a big offensive run attack from UL uh, come Saturday, and I expect at least 200-plus yards against this Liberty front. And, you know, the the, the weather tonight is supposed to – I read on the Weather Channel that it's going to be 93 at kickoff. Yeah. How does the temperature and the heat – because I know that turf kind of adds a additional mm-hmm. heat factor to everything. How does that change up – how does that affect the players? Um, how does that affect you know timeout calling by a by a coach? You know, talk about that for a little bit. I think it definitely does affect the game plan. I, I think you try to wear them out early if you can. Uh, it, it definitely affected our game plan. I remember back when I played, we had Ohio come to town, and we just wanted to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and eventually wear them out, which we did by midway through the third quarter <laughs> we still lost the game but it was a very close game but you can just see those guys huffing and puffing on the defensive side uh, you know with the running attack of, of Tyrell Finroy and the offensive line play I remember that uh, pretty vividly so you know it just I, I think that does play a part in it, it does, with the overall heat index coming down to Cajun Field you, you know, walk down that tunnel and you see welcome to the swamp and I think that just kind of start that sets off a certain vibe within the minds of, of Liberty but uh, you know, we'll see we'll see how hydrated they are coming into Saturday yeah I love I saw a picture of the sign and I love how it says welcome to the swamp warning the field you are about to enter is below sea level. Mm-hmm. And then in big letters under that, it says enter at your own risk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for somebody who obviously, you know, Liberty's in Virginia being fairly above sea level, ha- having that, that mentality and having that intimidation factor can, can really kind of get in your head if you, if you've never experienced it before. Yeah. It, it, there's no doubt about it. We'll see, we'll see how prepared they are. If, uh, you know, like I mentioned, you know, I'm sure they had some sort of hydration core. <laughs> I mean, I, I, just some sort of just hydration practice throughout throughout the week, and just you know, informing these guys, keeping them, uh, you know, aware of just how hydrated they need to be to come out and play in these conditions on Saturday. And you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into X factors now um, between the two teams, which single player on the field do you think is going to be most impressive for either team tonight? If, oh, if you... I, I, I think I think a Raymond Calais is going to actually have a big game. And I think one thing I've learned about uh, Billy Napier's offense by watching him last week and getting to study them throughout the week, he likes to play he likes to start guys pre-snap on one side of the field, but he wants them touching the ball on the other side of the field. So in other words, he likes to get them moving, and uh, cross cross face motion. You saw a lot of uh, wide receivers speed sweeps with 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 the likes of a Jamal Bell, Peter LeBlanc, and others. Um, the the running backs when they're in the setback, they like the cross face of the quarterback and get out into the flat. So he likes to start them all on one side, 
but eventually touch the ball on the other side, and that kind of mixes up the defense a little bit. It gets them going lateral side to side. So I think that's a big part of the game plan that Billy, that you'll see going forward. So I, I think a guy like Ray McCallay could have a very big game um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think Joe Dillon is a going to be a big key in this game. It's going against a going against both tackles who are just not as athletic as, as he will face all year long. If you can just kind of get these guys on an okey-doke uh, or just um, around a corner, get their feet moving, he can really get them off balance. So those are two guys I really got to keep in mind on. But you don't really want to overthink it in this in this sense. If Levi Lewis has a good game, then the Cages are going to ultimately come out with a pretty sound victory. It, it, it really you don't really want to overthink X factor when it comes when it comes to uh, offensive on the offensive side of the Cajuns. I mean, if if Levi he can literally be our X factor going forth the entire season because we just don't know what we're going to get at this point. I think he's skilled. I have high praise for him. But if he plays well, then just everyone else just gels on the offensive side. So look for him if he plays big. I could see this team just putting up a 50 spot, you know, on that scoreboard, and I, I don't think Liberty has the firepower to keep up with that. And you know, you, you talked about Levi Lewis having a good game. To me, he's the X factor for the for the Cajuns, and he tonight. should be. He really should be. Um, you know, just how can he? Because again, you know, you look at his numbers from last weekend. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't to that that level that you know people really expected him to be. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back at uh, at home of playing surface he's familiar with, and just you know how he can respond to what a lot of people would call adversity. He looked like a week one quarterback starting for his first time at an opening game of the season, which you know, which, which was expected. So you expect right. that you do. So you look for you know just just knock out the kinks uh, coming at home against hopefully a nice crowd. And uh, I expect for him to have a, a much better, more polished performance. All right, Chris, three keys to victory. Three keys to victory, control the tempo. Control the clock, control the tempo. If we win the coin toss, I want to see us get the ball first. I want to see us I wanted the to ball. see that last weekend. I, I, I want to, that, to me, that was the key last weekend. I, you know, how can you, how can you actually mention the coin toss being a big play of the game? Well, I really did. Uh, look forward to that to see and we won the toss and we decided to defer and that said a lot to me exactly what Billy Napier was thinking going in you know he has a lot of faith in his defense which I did too uh, but they didn't get the stop that they wanted and our, if you go back to that drive they couldn't even uh, force Mississippi State in one single third down throughout that entire drive so it's not the way you want it to start I want to see us get the ball first if, if, if we win the coin toss set the tempo and on defense, you can bleed, but bleed slow. And uh, they're going to have some big plays. You don't want to give up the big play to again, to Antonio Gandy-Golden. And uh, no, another big key, just apply pressure at, from time to time on a Stephen Carver, which you can against this offensive line. If you do those three things, which are very possible, there's just no reason why not only UL can come out and win the game, but they can ultimately cover for all you Vegas betters out there that are trying to decide what you want to do. I mean, I, like I said, this, I think the Cajun offense is going to put up a 50 on this game. 
I really just have no idea what to expect from the Cajun defense. We'll learn a lot more this week coming forward. And, you know, my my three keys, I, I agree with you on number one, is definitely control the tempo. Um, keep keep the game in, in your style. Don't let them take the game over. Um, I'd like to see... I'd like to see the defense put some pressure on Stephen Culvert. I'd like to see a little more blitz packages, um, mm-hmm. because like like we talked about earlier, we didn't know, blitz not, last week. He's much. not very yeah. mobile. Yeah, he, he's gonna stay in the pocket, and yeah. if he if he has to run, he gets frazzled. He gets you know he gets crazy. So I'd I'd like to see them put some pressure on uh on the quarterback, and like like you said, def- another thing defensively is just kind of bleed. But if you're gonna bleed, bleed slowly. Um, you know, don't give up those those big bombs and just keep everything in front of you mm-hmm. if, if you're the defense. Kind of a bend, don't break. You, you don't want to see any miscommunications on the back end. You, you know, you, you don't want to see where you have du- where you have, let's just say, give you a scenario where you have doubles on the offensive side of the ball for Liberty. You have two wide receivers on both sides, two in the boundary, two in the field. And if you look you say you look on the field side and both receivers decide to run like a crossing pattern. You don't want to see one guy pick one guy up and the other guy just stick to his man. You know, and then all all of a sudden you have one guy running free on the back end there's a miscommunication. Hopefully we've cleaned that up by now. You saw too much of that last week. You saw a lot of that last year and I think that's going to be also a key just the communication on that back end of the secondary. And, you know, uh, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I think the Cajuns have an explosive night offensively. I agree. Um, like, the, the the defensive line, in my opinion, is just too undersized for the rushing attack that we have. I think the running backs all have a fantastic day. Mm-hmm. Um, Score-wise, I'm going to throw out a prediction. I'm going to say 51-27. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, like you said, a 50 spot. I really think that we can – we can put those kind of numbers up against a team like Liberty. And, and let me say this first, while it's on my mind. Syracuse's offensive line is nothing like UL's offensive line. I, I mean, it, it's almost night and day. And I'm watching that, and I'm thinking to myself, if this is a top 25 team, there's no reason why we are not top 25. Uh, I mean, I, I think pound for pound, uh, we over just we, we overmatch Syracuse's offensive line. And I think just overall skill... Uh, I, I, to me, Liberty has not yet faced an offense. I know it's only one game, but it, if they think that Syracuse was the best line they're going to play all year, I mean, they're in for a rude awakening come Saturday. Uh, it's just the, the offensive line play of UL is so far exceeds the offensive line play for Syracuse. So whatever Syracuse is able to do on that offensive side in terms of running the ball, to me, it's going to be a lot. We're going to be a lot more explosive against Liberty because we're just that much better, in my opinion. All right, Cajun Nation. Kickoff is at 6.30 tonight on ESPN+. Don't watch it on ESPN+. Please come out to Cajun Field. There's plenty of, of you know, ticket promotions and, and whatnot to make it affordable. Concession stands have obviously gotten a lot cheaper. You can tune in to ESPN 1420 two hours before kickoff with Steve Peliquin and Chris Gannon. And then Chris, you and Jay go on about thirty minutes before, roughly about thirty minutes before. So, so about six o'clock, you can hear Jay Walker, Chris Lano, and Cody Juno throughout the ball game. Um, feel free to come out to Cajun Field and come find me. Um, I will probably be hanging out in the student section. It's kind of where I like to to do my my thing on on game day. So, uh, come see me. Come talk some football. I'll have this up as soon as possible so you can listen to it 
during your tailgates. And just um, I'm hoping for a good crowd tonight, man. And uh, so that's it for this episode of Louisiana Football Pregame. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. And we will see you guys next week. All right.